Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting. I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has the toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I also have a playlist called F Jams. One and two. <laughs> Just in case. We dance to a jazz version of my favorite things. Soundtrack to my life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a exclusive. I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know, too. Soundtrack to my life. A Spotify exclusive. Hi, I'm Mike Bobbitt. I am a lot of things. I'm a comedian, I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, an actor, and a storyteller. But most of all, I'm a dad now. Movies were an important part of my childhood, and I'm hoping they'll be an important part of my kids' childhood, too. So through this podcast, I talk to my friends about movies that were important to them when they grew up, and I also talk to my friends who are parents about their experiences introducing their own kids to movies. This is Movies for Kids. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever grow up. Sometimes I wonder if I know it's me. I know it's me. So, um, one of my favorite things about being a parent now is that I already have a lot of friends who have been doing it very successfully for quite some time. And I am incredibly lucky to know both Deanne and Eric Hankey. Eric and I go back very, very far, and I know him as a creator of artistic things and podcasts like that. And as I've gotten to become more than just a collaborator with him, but a friend of his, I realized how good of a job both he and Deanne have done in being parents. So I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit. And right out of the gate, Deanne, uh, I explained to you before we started recording how the premise of the show changed and you you wanted to uh, uh, have a word about that. So go for it. So we are big Michigan fans. And when Alex was born, our first child, we had a friend who was like, what are you going to do if he becomes a Spartan fan? And I was adamant that is never going to happen because it's just not going to happen. And he would always counter with, you never know, and you've got to love your child if that's what he picks. And I was like, but the key is I'm not going to tell him to love Michigan. I am just going to love Michigan in front of him. And it's going to happen organically. And our son is a bigger Michigan fan than we are. Annoyingly so. A little bit so. So when I've listened to you on the other podcasts of this one, talking to people about at the beginning, how do you get him to like the things that you like. You love them in front of him. And that's how you do it. It's happened with musicals with our kids. It, it's happened with Dave Matthews with our kids. Anything that we've loved, we've done it in their faces and they love it as well. Okay, I have many follow-up questions. First of all, uh, okay. Michigan and Spartans, what are those? You gotta know who's interviewing you. <laughs> 
Um, Michigan Wolverines. Okay. Michigan State Spartans. Okay, I believe the Wolverine is our uh, state animal. And it is. I don't think Spartans have been an army for quite some. Oh, you mean the movie 300? No. You didn't want him to like the movie 300. Okay, I understand. We're all on the same page. And then Dave Matthews, is he like one of your neighbors or? You know, not everybody is a Dave Matthews fan, babe. Um, can you edit that out? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to insert you saying a good musician. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's what I do. Um, Most of the best are polarizing. Yeah, I, I think that's. Very good advice, and hopefully it works out. But at the same time, if it turns out that he isn't into Star Wars, I'm not going to be angry. Of course, part of me on some level is going to be hurt a little bit, (laughs) mainly because I've been buying Star Wars garbage for the last 30 years. I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but you guys have been doing something really interesting over the past year or so, where is it the AFI list of top 100 movies or? So it's, it's actually not AFI, but it's, it's somebody's somewhat arbitrary 100 essential films have the kids been watching the movies with you guys few of them just a few yeah uh alex our oldest has actually been taking a film appreciation uh course for for college oh wow and he's learned he he doesn't appreciate films pretty much (laughs) that's a rough time to learn that (laughs) he would watch them he would no alex has never been he's the sports kid yeah. He's never yeah. really liked movies that were not about sports. Miracle, you know, anything sports related, he's seen it a million times. Getting him to see other things has been difficult. So it was quite nice when he chose to take this class. Mm-hmm. And he did. He fell in love with 12 Angry Men. He, It's one of his favorite movies now. And Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. He thinks it was fantastic. But this college course has gotten into like Sunset Boulevard, which was on our... right. AFI or our AFI. Your poster. Yeah. Your poster. Your arbitrary poster. Yes. And nobody in his family seemed to like Sunset Boulevard. Oh, no. I loved it. Why? Because I like tragic Hollywood tales. (laughs) Well, then, yes. Yeah. Now, Eric, you told me a story a long time ago that makes me feel like you guys should win some sort of parent of the decade award and it was when one of your sons was researching teacher and troy who was murdered yeah royal oak oh and royal oak and it brought up fears that he had do you guys want to tell that story is that an okay story to share i've it is told the story on the podcast but i didn't say who told me the story you know because oh yeah because i i didn't feel like it was my place to you know no 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 yeah um so you had mentioned possibly doing the show. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I listened to a couple episodes and and I just kind of fuck at the draw. I was listening to that one, you know, at one and a half speed while I'm working. And then you're and, like, uh, when is he going to have me on? He's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But when the story came up, I'm just kind of, I'm half listening. Okay, it's nice. Whatever. And then it came up. I was like, oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> oh, boy. You're actually okay. kind of better at this one than I am. So he was in middle school and he was starting to research um, the fact that the music teacher at Royal Oak had been murdered mm-hmm. and the funeral had taken place in the auditorium at the middle school and he was fascinated by it. And he started going to the historical center, looking stuff up and going to the library and looking at the microfish and all that kind of stuff. And one night about 10 o'clock, he comes up to me and I'm getting ready for bed and he says, I need to call a family meeting. 
And I said, oh, my gosh, can it just wait? Because I'm really tired. And he said, no, it really can't. He goes, it's about Halloween next week. And I really need to I need to talk about it right now. And I said, well, go get your brother and your dad and I'll, I'll meet you downstairs. So we all sit down in the living room and he looks over at me and he said, so I'm gay and I'm going to get murdered when I'm in my 20s. And I just went okay to the first part, but let's unpack the second part. And he explained that the, the man who had died was gay and he had taken somebody home from a bar and the guy had murdered him in his apartment. And as a middle schooler, it was really ripping him up. So we unpacked that for a while. And uh, we ended up just as a family talking for about two hours that night. It was really one of the most beautiful nights, I think, of our lives, especially the fact that he asked his brother to be there as well, I thought was was very important. And we all just, you know, talked it through and explained that it that was the 80s. And, you know, it won't necessarily happen to him or right. happen to him. But that was it. That's how he told us. Obviously, the, the, the humble brag for us of that story is that he was comfortable enough to to have that even be a secondary thing. But obviously, he he was comfortable enough with us, with the environment that he was in, with the entire family to be able to to quote unquote come out. The reason I say quote unquote, quote unquote is in subsequent conversations, you know, he's very of the 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 idea that you know why why would you have to even come out? And the more we talk about, it, I say, yeah, why would you? I didn't have to come out as heterosexual. Why would you have mm-hmm. to? And so it was kind of eventually, at least in his memory, I think it's it's more of a it's it's a non-issue for him to even to have had to have come out. But in retrospect, there there was conversations about from us and in, in kind of growing up how somebody would come out and, and you know, it, it is is this thing that you eventually disclose, just like relationships on Facebook. And, you know, there's just these different kind of uh, touchstones in terms of relation, I guess, relationships and just these touchstones in life. And, you know, we grew up assuming that, well, if somebody is, is gay, they eventually, they eventually release this information within circles in some particular way. And I think somewhat in retrospect for him, he's kind of like, I'm not even interested in that. That said, though, I think back around the time when, when he came out to us, right, or at least this event happened, he wasn't ready for us to necessarily be telling circles of friends. He wasn't telling anybody. Right. That was his thing is he didn't want, now I'll keep using the phrase come out just for this part right. of it, but he didn't want to come out until high school because his whole point, and then his brother talking to him as well was, it doesn't seem like kids have to come out in high school. It seems to be very organic and you right. just seem to just let it happen. Whereas being in middle school, he was not comfortable yet letting his friends know. Um, so I think for him, it was just a thing where he, I, I think that he wanted us to know and uh, and I'm grateful that he told us. Yeah, That has to make you guys feel like you won as parents though. Like that oh. is... Just sort of like, okay, here's an incidental point to this story. Just the level of comfort that he has and knowing how much you guys love him unconditionally has to make you guys feel like, I I would hope that you guys just high-fived afterwards and you were like, yes, we did it. (laughs) I mean, God, you, you guys are so amazing. You created this loving family where your kids feel so incredibly comfortable talking to you and saying, I have this fear and... This other thing that could be a fear to, 
I don't want to say lesser families, but families that don't have this kind of understanding that you guys have just, man, that's such a powerful moment that stuck with me all this time. But I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed, and as you go through talking to different parents and everybody has different takes on everything, I don't hide things well. (laughs) So my kids, if something's going on, my kids know about it. We're, you know, there's some people who are like, you know, you never discuss things in front of the kids. And I have carried some guilt with me because my kids, if somebody was sick, they would know it. Like we would just discuss it. But what I found when the kids were in elementary school, especially is, They would come home from school and start telling me stories about what their day. And some of the times I was surprised by how detailed they were being. And I will say there were times I didn't want to listen to everything that they were talking about. But I remember thinking and and we had the conversation, listen to them now and they will talk to us forever. Right. And so I really do feel the fact that they know like people have I'm not saying people have judged us. That's not for me to say, but, you know. Sex was on the table at a very early age. We didn't mess around with the fact that, you know, we're going to hide this. You do know what beds are for. You should not be doing that on the table. That's where people (laughs) eat. Come on. We did walk into this. I did. (laughs) I I did indeed. I'm tearing up. I have to deflect with jokes. Come on. (laughs) Give me my comfort blanket of of nonsense. (laughs) This is the only way I can cope as a human being. Uh-oh, feeling emotions. We'll make a dumb joke. I'm sorry for interrupting. Just to start out, nobody is good at parenting. Let me talk out of the other side of my mouth. There are a lot of people who are bad at parenting. I get it. But to try to objectively say that somebody is is winning at parenting or doing it, that's the second you're going to have a big problem. I will say this. My dad, um, who gave great advice, I remember he said, no matter what you do, your child will end up needing therapy for something. If you give him too much, he's going to not have worked hard enough for himself. If you give him too little, he won't, you know. And I remember him saying, so you don't try to parent on on things like that. You do what you think is right. Because no matter what, you're going to do something wrong. And that helped us a lot through a lot of the problems because there were problems. Sure. Um, And the other part is I had heard you talk on on another one of the shows is those who do question whether or not they're a good parent are the good parents. Because I have known many people who think they know everything, who just anytime you go to say, I'm unsure of myself, I think I made a mistake or and they can't commiserate with you. Those kids are usually tools. (laughs) They really are. I know many parents that are doing everything right and still question it. And that's what is so great about it. We feel we did things right. We feel we did things wrong. But all along the way, it was like, we questioned, what are we doing? And uh, two weeks ago, I sat on the back porch with Eric and cried because I said I, I wasn't a good parent and I didn't do enough for our kids who are now 16 and 19. Because no matter what you do, you have those moments of doubt. Yep. Yeah. And then you get moments to pull back and go, no, no, I did do fine. But even now, as they're getting older, I I still am questioning, what did I miss? And I missed things. And obviously, we're never done, right? Right. Um, What has been a nice, like coming into this conversation, I was thinking, you know, what even qualifies me to even weigh in on the subject? Yet, the the one thing that I kind of hang my hat in, and I don't know, I can't imagine anybody 
walking away from our kids saying, oh, that kid was a, was a jerk or a tool or, you know, whatever. We're trying to put out some, some good people in the world. Do they have issues? Well, everybody has issues. Oh, yeah. We have issues, but I don't know. They're just good people. You know, they certainly understand unconditional love, which is hugely important. And absolutely. I hope that, you know, when the time comes that Benji has something huge on his mind, I hope that he feels the same level of comfort in our house that you guys have created in your house. That he'll know that he can come to me and Allison and tell us absolutely anything and it won't make us love him any less um wow but as long as you listen to him all of the time i think one of the things that i've noticed when i observe because we all do observe other people and make judgments about parenting i mean we do it you know it's like are they doing it better than me are they doing it worse than me you know whatever but there are some parents who i know for sure do not listen to their kids and i've had a few friends end up commenting, I can't believe how much your kids talk to you because they'll talk to us even in front of our friends. And so they're always like, oh my gosh, they're just so open with you. And it's like, yeah, because I didn't close them down. And what you do earlier matters. I really do think that's a key. Yeah, I I think so too. That was one of the things that my sister-in-law said that she did with my niece and nephew, making sure that they always listened and that's hugely important. And sometimes you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I worry because I'm not a good listener. I'm really not a good listener. And it, that's one of those life skills that I need to get much better at. And you're going to get a lot of practice. So yeah, for real. All is well. What's been the last really great movie you guys have seen as a family? Well, during COVID, we watched, we made the kids watch that thing you do. Yeah. And did they like it? They did. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was one that would have stressed me out if they didn't. All right, Eric. Uh, Deanne gave me the great advice of listening. What is your great parenting advice now? Can you top that? I don't think you're going to be able to, but... And it's not a competition because she's already won. Right. I mean, I've had... I had had and have uh, issues with my own father. So, like, I totally went into fatherhood with the stereotypical, I'm going to do better than my dad, and you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But the big thing that... I always try to do is know when I've screwed up to them and apologize to them and as quickly as I can, like in front of them. And then I usually layer on on top of that, which I shouldn't and say, you know, my dad never would have done that, <laughs> but no, but no, for real, I would like, like if I know if I've done them wrong, I'm never going to assume, well, you know, I'm the dad and forget it. Like, I think that is one of the greatest things that we, we both have done is, our kids know that we're not perfect. Yeah. And this household, we all apologize when we're wrong. And I, and I do think that that is yeah. very good advice because um, I remember realizing one day when my dad wasn't a superhero and kind of being like shocked. And I don't think my kids are ever going to have that because it's like, they know that we're just doing what we can and we make mistakes. And yeah, I, I that's, that's a good one. Well done. All right. I'm going to try not to get choked up when I share this, but, uh, um, I think Eric knows this. When my dad was dying, my brother and I kept going to the hospital to try to have that magical conversation with him where we would start to understand each other. And um, he told my brother, he's like, hey, Brian, I'm proud of you. And he told me, Mike, I'm sorry. And um, I wish my dad was around now and um, see the kind of job I'm going to do as a dad. And 
I'd like to think that he would be proud of me. So, absolutely, I'm sure he would. These last few that I've recorded have been really emotional and heavy on me. Um, so thank you guys for bearing with me on this. And uh, I don't think I could have been this open with very many people in the world. And I, I hope you guys know that that says a lot about how much I value you both as friends. And, well, thank uh, you so much. Appreciate the two of you. I remember at Chris Peterson's birthday party where you know i was walking into this theater experience where i knew a small handful of people and i was terrified and i had benji with me because i was like oh yeah just bring a baby to something like this because (laughs) that'll be like a safety blanket and as soon as i walked in i saw you guys and i did not feel scared i did not feel alone in that room anymore so even beyond just with your son's you guys show so much love to your friends too. And you know, oh, I, I, I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say we can feel it and, you know, incredibly lucky to have both of you guys as friends. And Mike, you're the sweetest. You are the sweetest. No, Thank you no. so much. <laughs> I just appreciate the good things in life and you guys are good. 